0: welcome to the season of soul podcast my name is dora vandekamp and i am a spiritual ecotherapy coach and manifestation expert are you ready for infinite abundance ultimate wellness and pure bliss i am and i know many of you are too we are truly in the season of the soul being called on to evolve expand and awaken I am so honored to be able to share with you incredible wisdom from some of the most revolutionary teachers, gurus, and coaches. Each show contains powerful knowledge about inner and outer transformation. And now, let's go to the show. Hi, my loves. Welcome to an amazing new episode of Season of Soul. I hope you are doing wonderful. On today's episode, Rosa Shetty joins us to speak about intergenerational and ancestral trauma and holistic trauma healing. We discuss so many interesting aspects about intergenerational and ancestral trauma, as well as how we can heal. Rosa has over 11 years of direct clinical experience, and she has provided direct intervention to abused children and their families, provided crisis intervention and immediate psychological debriefing to victims of sexual assault, violent crimes, and domestic abuse, and has worked for the Department of Veterans Administration providing direct intervention to veterans and their families. Currently, she works for Kaiser Permanente Psychiatry Department providing mental health treatments to adults, children, and families. I am so honored to bring you this interview where Rosa shares powerful insight and wisdom that has the potential to help us all heal and thrive. Just a little side note, I have been playing with a podcast release schedule a little bit, seeing what flows best. So today's episode comes out on a Friday, Next week's episode will come out on Wednesday. I also want to remind you that all episodes can be found on my YouTube channel where you can see the video version of our interview. You can find me on YouTube and on Instagram at at Doravandekamp. Thank you so much for your continued support. Let's go to the show. Hello, Rosa, how are you? hi doing well thank you so much for having me thank you for coming on the show I'm so excited I've been super excited to have you on for a long time oh thank you the work you do is amazing um so much so tell me tell me a little bit how did you get into this work that you are doing what was your path to help heal women from trauma
1: yeah. Well, it's been a long journey. I I honestly I feel that you know what they say that sometimes um it chooses you. I I definitely believe that in in my case. Um I can think as far as you know when I was a little girl just in the playground playing with with one particular friend that comes to mind and um just I remember through our conversations, you know, as children, getting uh, uh, just an idea that there was a lot happening in her home, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of things that I knew uh, were bad and things that I knew were uh, different, you know, in, in terms of, and I knew that and even as I say, young um, child, I knew that I was blessed, you know, I grew up in a very... Um, spiritual religious home so I knew like oh well you know I'm I'm blessed at least I'm not going through that I remember thinking that as as a little girl just um this particular friend had a lot going on so that's that really um I guess shaped me because that it it wasn't the only situation it's like every every time I had a best friend every time I had someone that I would get close to um there was something happening in their life, you know, and, and that pattern continued. Uh, I, even through high school, there was this, this huge, um, situation. I'm not, not, you know, I'm not going to go into the detail, but there was this really, um, difficult situation. So at a very young age, I had to make a decision about what do I do with this information? I know my friend needs help. So as a little girl, of course, I didn't know, um, you know, I didn't know what to do. I remember sharing a little bit with my mom, but knowing that, um, this was bad, you know, so as I got older, um, it came to a point where I needed to tell my mom because it was a lot of it was really bad, right? It was a situation that law enforcement needed to be involved. So it's so it's almost so so that's what I mean, it kind of just chose me. And of course, I have, you know, through my with my family, I have my own share of uh, generational trauma, ancestral trauma, you know, my own share of just my own personal um, journey. Uh, But if I look, you know, all the way back in my life, I can clearly see how this this, this field of healing uh, and, and trauma specifically has kind of been with me and, and energetically, I would say, and, and I've been kind of attracting, I guess, and in a way, a lot of people throughout my life that that needed help. Uh, so When I was, uh, you know, ready to graduate high school, you know, people start asking you what are you going to do and I knew I knew from very, very early in high school I knew what I wanted to do and I would tell people I want to work with families I want to help families that was my, my statement. And, um, and I, so I, I just knew. So as soon as I, I you know I started college, I, I just went into that field. I graduated, went into getting my master's um, in social work. I specialized in working with child abuse specifically. Um, worked in uh, doing child abuse investigations for a few years. Um, so really, really you know, deep into that trauma field um, from many different angles. Um, so I started with um, doing child abuse investigations, and I started working with families, helping families reunify with their children after they'd been removed from them. So a lot of generational trauma on that end, helping um, helping parents uh, recover and do what they need to do to be ready to have their children back in their home. Um, I work with foster youth, helping them adjust uh, to returning home some of them um, or you know exiting the system leaving the foster care system so i did that for many years and you know it, um, in that that's where i really got my i guess my first hand exposure to the devastation the of that trauma causes not just in one you know in the, the the person experiencing it but just the next generation and in looking back um even the previous generations, you know, especially in the foster care system, uh, most—I mean, I would say ninety-nine point nine of the, the the clientele that we serve. Um, It was generations of of this, generations of trauma, of abuse, of substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And so it was, um, so that's kind of how I got involved in this. And and then after that, you know, I went into working with the VA, uh, the Veterans Administration, and then I, I did, I started doing mental health. Uh, more specifically doing psychotherapy. uh, And that's when I started specializing more in in helping adults, helping more specifically women uh, recover from childhood trauma, recovering from developmental trauma. And sometimes, you know, even trauma. That you know, the thing with trauma is, it's not just. Um, it's very layered. For a lot of people, it happened in childhood, and then it repeats itself in some form, in one way or another, in in their adult years. Um, so, so yeah. So that's kind of what led me to to where I'm at today.
0: Wow, that's yeah. Oh, so incredible! You were called to do that at such a young age and already had that awareness that's so incredible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And from a spiritual perspective, it's so it's so cool too to see that you know spirit was kind of already prepping you in a way to to be open and and have that that vision. Um, Yeah. Incredible. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I'm I'm also very spiritual and, and when I reflect back you know on on what brought me here definitely it was um i think it was you know spirit um the universe trying to to help me get get some experience you know some firsthand personal experience you know with this to 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 be able to have the the deep and in deep and intimate understanding of what it is to go through um these difficult situations um so yeah most definitely it was, you know, I see it as, as God's way of preparing me for, you know, for a career in this. And, it, you know, it hasn't always been as easy, easy, you know, I I went through my ups and emotionally, you know, my own ups and downs with with this, because at some at certain points, especially, uh, I've been doing this for for 12 years, you know, so I've been I started this when I was in my in my early or mid 20s. So I was really young, you know, and, and at some point, um I, I remember just having more of this uh, sense of almost like reckoning, you know, in, in terms of, um, you know, why, why me, you know, why is it that, that I, I was chosen for this line of work, because I was aware that it was hard, you know, emotionally, it was, it was a lot, you know, especially for a young person, you know, back then um, to, to deal with these really, really heavy things that, um, that as a young, you know, 20 something year old, I, I did, I had the, the theoretical, of course I had the education for it, but I didn't have the emotional maturity or strength to, to go through this. Uh, and thankfully there were a lot of people and mentors, you know, along, um, you know, Early in my career, that really helped me. That really um, helped me get the the strength, you know, into into feel to to be able to continue we continue on this on this path, um, you know, as as a therapist now. But it definitely, certain key people played a big role, you know, in my in my ability to be able to keep going. Uh, But yeah, it's, it's been, you know, it's been a lot of ups and downs, you know, emotionally in in terms of being able to really um, come to terms with, okay, so this is, this is what I want to do. This is what my, my path is and and being able to be of service, you know, more than anything Mm -hmm. and be healthy while doing it, because that's the key, right? If I'm not okay, and I learned this very early on, then I'm not going to be, I'm not going to be okay or or I'm not going to be good. I'm not going to be effective, you know, in helping others if I'm, if I'm not, if I'm not good, if I'm not well within myself.
0: Um, If I may ask what, um, was there anything that kind of helped you take care of yourself as you do this work? Is there anything like specifically Mm -hmm. that helps you keep going and, and kind of fill your cup? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, abso- absolutely. Um, so the, f- the first thing was definitely finding, you know, of course, friends that are also in the field that know firsthand what it is to to do this um, day in, day out, um, you know, full time, you know, so being able to have those those really good friends throughout wherever I went, I always made it a point to connect with at least one person. That I can process and vent, not 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 consult about what should I do with, you know, in, in a clinical sense, but to just process, to be able to share, this is this is overwhelming, this is stressful, you know, let me just just hear hear me out. And you know, so I always made a point to have at least one person. And the other thing that really helped me, um, and I didn't, of course, I didn't learn this early on, it took me it took me some time to really um, catch on to this is having a solid physical practice for myself. You know, you, you hear about working out and exercising as you know, to relieve stress and, and all that. But when it comes to dealing and, you know, handling other others' emotions, if you're, you know, if you call yourself a healer, or if you call y- yourself a therapist, or, you know, anyone, anyone that really provides that level of service to someone is when it comes to their emotions, and their feelings, you know, matters of the heart. Um, we need to have a solid physical practice. And, and for me, that, that came with, with yoga, you know, I found yoga when I was, um, I was i would say i mean of course i've always i've known about yoga and i think i've taken a class here and there uh, prior to to coming across this the yoga path um but i didn't i i would see it as a form of exercise as a, you know as a fitness you know class that you take uh, but it was it wasn't until i i started uh i took um, a kundalini class there was a studio right across the street from the office where i used to work and i would drive by it every day never really paid attention to it and there was one particular week where i was just so i was just really overwhelmed i I would think i was ready to go on a stress leave i was just so so overwhelmed and i i i don't know i just kind of caught my attention this this kundalini studio And I, um, and I took a class there and it was amazing. And I was like, what, what is this? You know, this is, I felt the difference. And even though I've always been spiritual, I, you know, prayer and, and um, not so much going to church, but just a lot of prayer. This was different, right? This was a connection with my body, which that's the part that I didn't, I didn't realize (laughs) that was essential. And that was the key. Even though this is what I would do, and this is what I would encourage others, I had not experienced that. So being able to experience this sense of, um, of connection um, to my body, yoga, that yoga is what what did it for me. So that made night and day difference. Um, Like I said, it was one particular week, but I I was ready to go to the doctor. And I think I had already made an appointment with my doctor and I was going to tell the doctor, okay, I need to go on a stress sleep. And I started this and this program. And I think at that time they had like a, like a 30, like a month long um, thing where you you would go, you know, you paid a special rate if you go every day So I did that, which I had never done anything like that. You know, I had never committed to a workout or any kind of routine like that uh, for three days, but I did this and, and it was within, I I would say within two weeks, I felt energy. I felt a connection to, um, to the work once again, to the, to the work that I was doing. I felt, um, I felt different, you know, I I, I, didn't I cancel my appointment with the doctor I didn't even you know do that I felt a sense of motivation once again to keep going uh, to keep to keep going as as a therapist uh, to keep on to keep going on this path um, with my career so those two things a connection with with a person at work a friend an ally at work and yoga but in general I feel that it's any any physical practice that 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 brings that intentionally um, you you set out to do to help you um, connect with your body, with your breath. I think it will be helpful for me. It was it was yoga, you know, that I, I was able to to find my breath, you know, to find that space within myself to 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 really breathe and connect and to take that time
0: to do that intentionally. So yeah. Amazing, and I know that you. I think we'll we'll touch on this a little later, because um, I really want to get into a little bit more of the mm-hmm. uh, foundation of what you do. But I do know that you work. You you um, yoga is a tool now also. Yes, practice, right.
1: Yes. So right. after yeah. So after my own journey, I guess with yoga and after seeing how much it helped me i i just went into uh, um, i did a lot of research i wanted to understand you know why why it was so helpful you know why what 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 change and what what's what is it that yoga does so of course I discovered that there's this whole you know field of of trauma focused yoga and, and yoga therapy and all these you know so I was yeah so for a good I would say good couple of years I really delved into um having a deeper understanding of of yoga, not just for myself, but I, but to share it, you know, to share it in my practice, to bring the benefits of yoga that I experienced, um, to bring it to my, to my clients, you know, to, especially for those that had experienced trauma, Uh, because one of the, even though it, and we'll get into this later, um, but a lot of the modalities of trauma focused um, treatment models involve Mindfulness and breath, and and connecting with with your body—it's all about that. You know, when it comes to treat, um, treating or healing from trauma. It's all in the is it's in the bodies, it's connecting and learning to connect with your body so a lot of, a lot of mindfulness they don't it, the the terminology is different but that's what it is uh so with yoga it was just an added i guess tool or an, another way to bring this to bring this into into the healing into the therapy room and 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 of course people most people are open to learning yoga you know most people are open to practice a lot of people have practiced it and they just had not seen it in that light or they didn't have the intention that intent that specific intention for healing so yeah so I um so I did a year-long um teacher's training um with the intention not too much to become a yoga instructor with the intention to to learn it um you know from that end and to be able to provide it to my to my clients
0: yeah amazing I'm so interested in in that that idea that the trauma is really, it lives in the body. Um, but I want to first, I want to kind of go into the trauma that you work with. So Mm -hmm. I know you mentioned ancestral trauma and generational trauma. So, um, what, what are those and how are they similar? How are they different? Yeah. Well, you know, let's, I I would like to start off with just kind of
1: explaining, um, I guess, what trauma in general, you know, what, what it is. Um, So trauma is when, you know, when our nervous system is completely overwhelmed, okay, when something, an event happens that completely throws off our ability to cope, our ability to handle, it's like, your world gets turned upside down, and we can't bounce back, you know, a lot of us experience, Things are—they're traumatic. They're difficult, um, and sometimes we're able to bounce back, right? Let's say a car accident, or let's say uh, even you know a terrible car accident. Um, you're able to to bounce back. You feel that you have a good handle, and you move forward. Um, sometimes um, we we don't we can't just bounce back we can't just move forward Um, our brain is not able to integrate that experience that trauma that traumatic experience into our our everyday life so we are traumatized okay that so so that's what trauma really is is an inability for our brain to really integrate this particular experience into the the history or or the narrative of your life um, so it's if you see it, I like to give the example of um, like a book. You know, our, our life our life is like a book with you know hundreds of pages, and trauma is like a loose page. Okay, so we have all these pages. Um, something traumatic happens, and it's this page that is just loose. It's it's floating around. It's it's and and so. So part of healing is being able to integrate, to integrate this experience in, in the narrative or in, in, you know, in the story, in the story of, of our, of our, of our life. Wow. So that's kind of how, how trauma can be, can be seen from, from that perspective. And of course, when we talk about trauma, we're talking about different types of trauma. So then this is where we, we can talk about um, the intergenerational transmission of trauma so so we may have so like I said it's it's a very layered um, term but uh, you know we have our own specific situations events that happened as an individual that may have nothing to do with um, with our parent Mm -hmm. or um, yeah with you know the family that we come from Um, but there may be other things that are directly related to that so so intergenerational transmission of trauma is the the things that are the, the things that our parents were were not able to work through, were not able to heal, um, and therefore gets passed on to us. So, for example, um, growing up in a home where one of the parents is um, experiencing PTSD, mm-hmm. they experienced a traumatic situation. Maybe they're a war veteran. Uh, maybe they, you know, since experienced assault or child abuse, um, and they just were not able to really work through that in their own lifetime, and through the the messaging, through the um, perhaps even the, the the inability to protect, because they're dealing with their own PTSD, their own depression, anxiety, maybe even substance abuse. Um, that trauma that is unresolved gets passed on so this the their children are affected by their PTSD because they're not able to to provide the the attachment perhaps they don't have a secure attachment with with their mom because mom was dealing with with her own depression or her own PTSD. so she maybe didn't bond as well or didn't have that that solid secure attachment with with their baby or you know with with the child. Um, and so and, and so on, right? So then you have another generation that perhaps, you know, had nothing to do with what happened at war, you know, with with their dad or, or mom, um, but is directly experiencing the effects of that, right? Because they grew up in a home where there, maybe there was violence or, you know, abuse, neglect, whatnot. So that's an example of intergenerational transmission of trauma. Um, And then what is um, then the the concept of um, ancestral trauma. So ancestral trauma can be the way I I see it. It's more of um, it's related more to the psychic legacies that get passed on from one generation to the next. So, every family the way you know again the way it con- conceptualizes every family has their own almost like a consciousness and and within that that lineage you know a lot of times um, we can trace back certain events that were devastating to those that, that came before us um, so that's when you can um, when you can include things like you know slavery um Genocide, um, you know, the people that grew up in the Great Depression, uh, more of those cultural things that affected um, that affected a large number of people, and we know that it affected our ancestors or colonization. You know, being in knowing that you, where you come from and knowing this is what uh, my ancestors went, went, my ancestors went through. Um, so that's more of that ancestral trauma. And and like I said, when it comes to understanding what um, what affects what is affecting you in the here and now in, in your own personal life is a very layered it's a very layered process to, to uncover. But and that's kind of how I like to differentiate. Okay, so intergenerational trauma is, is specific traumas that get passed on. So you're able to pinpoint it to my mother, and perhaps even further back to my, my grandfather, maybe the maybe grandpa was a, a veteran, you know, let's say a Vietnam veteran. And, you know, th- mom dealt with the consequences of that in her home and then because of the inability to to really work through these difficulties passed on some of that so you're talking about three generations right of of these of this legacy so this legacy of trauma from one one generation to the next
0: yeah and so how does that um how does that affect um us as just as people, like what are the things that we end up um feeling or having a hard time with?
1: Yeah. So so if you so for someone that has dealt specifically with a parent that has a substance abuse problem, for example, there's gonna be specific emotional um Consequences of that, right? Dealing in a home where there's um, a a parent that that has a problem with alcohol because they're trying to numb their own PTSD, Uh, we may grow up feeling um, or experiencing neglect. So when it comes to trauma, trauma is experienced in the body, and this is this is where we come back to the idea that you know any trauma it is not so much about what happened, but it's about your ability to cope with it. So it could be uh, a terrible situation for some for one person where they're left completely unable to work through and and, and work through it and cope on their own. And it could for someone else, um, it looks very different. So we we can't compare traumas, but the way it manifests is pretty consistent, you know. Um, So when we talk about trauma, we talk about how trauma shows up in the body. So for example, um, a in a, like if you notice your body you notice specific body language uh, specific body language from when, when someone is talking about their their trauma so as a therapist when we're assessing we're looking at the body language we focus on how does it how does it feel to say x y and z in your body what do you notice in your body in this moment so so we start because a lot of times we we're not aware of how the how the specific trauma or a topic, because we we talk about trauma, but it's a, it's a, we're talking about a story, right, a story that was painful. As you talk about this story, um, part of the journey is to be able to identify how does that feel in your body in this moment. So that's the connection to the body, because that's where it comes up. And that's how you notice um, when there is trauma, present so the the heart racing um the sometimes your stomach feels upset uh sometimes there is a headache sometimes you feel nauseous and so it's being able to identify how it comes up for you moment to moment especially when you have triggers so for a lot of people um that are you know just kind of on their own trying to figure out what what um what is it that's affecting me? I feel something, but I don't know what effect I I can't think back to anything in particular that happened to me because we think something had to happen in order for me to have a reaction. When we what what is important to to notice is what triggers you? What are some of the things that trigger a sense of sadness that uh, or trigger a sense of anxiety? Um, Because usually that's kind of, that's how it comes up, okay? So, so identifying your your triggers, identifying what are the things that that really um, upset you, that really trigger you, especially in another, another way to look um, to assess is how does it come up in, in your personal relationships um, with your significant other, um, relationship with your parents, um, these really close, intimate relationships that's where we're going to see a lot of the triggers. Okay, that's where we're going to see a lot of these things coming up. And we're not sure why. But there's certain things that they say that we just, we just lose it.
0: When you perhaps don't know what the trauma is, right, you know, the trigger, but you don't know, mm-hmm. where that perhaps is somewhere in your subconscious mind. Um, how do you approach that?
1: Well, I think, if you're wondering, I think for someone that is wondering about their own generational trauma, mm-hmm. their own, um, wondering if their, their depression, their anxiety, their, are lashing out at their, at their, you know, significant other for no reason, if you're, if you're trying to make sense of that, I think it would be really important to, first of all, identify what are your triggers, mm-hmm. um, also to, to if you have your family available, if you have, um, you know, your, your parent or grandparents to start asking questions about how was it for them growing up?
0: Um,
1: how was it? Um, how was it for, to how was it for your mom or your dad to be a three-year-old in, in, in that house with grandpa to, uh, to find out stories, uh, to find out um, what, what, Shape their their life in some way, and I and I know not everyone has that relationship with their their parent, um, but I, I see that as a huge uh, indicator or guide in terms of what happened because we know that if our parents and we know this for a fact. You know, we have years and the the concept of generational trauma is is an old concept. This is not new. So we know for a fact um, that whatever our parents experience in the form of trauma, is passed on, whether it is through the our emotional, you know, um, sense of, of well-being and belonging in a particular family, and and then now we're we're finding out that our genes are also impacted, and the our gene expression actually changes as a result of the trauma that our parents went through. So we know that it there's that we're gonna we're impacted whether we know what happened or not. If we're experiencing, if we have a feeling that, that there's something within me that is triggering this, it feels like trauma, but I, I can't think of an experience that would trigger this sense of being traumatized or PTSD um, type of symptoms, then it's, time. It, then that's when we look at our family, we look at our, our, our parents, what they went through. Um, and if that doesn't, or you don't have that connection, you're not able to have those conversations with your parents, for whatever reason, um, to start looking at what was it for you to be in that home with your parents or your caregivers? Um, what, what was it? How was it for you to be one to be two to be three? Can you and just kind of using your imagination to, to put yourself in in those situations. Now, that, that can be very triggering, right? If there, if there was, um, if there was abuse, if there was neglect, or some, you know, some kind of emotional difficulty, it can be very triggering to, to think back to those times when you were a child, um, to put, you know, to, to try to remember what happened. So it's definitely something that, that, um, that you have to kind of, see if you can, if you can emotionally handle that without, um, without really triggering a a specific
0: memory, perhaps, you know, that that you weren't aware of. That's why it's so Mm -hmm. good to work with someone, I think, especially if it feels really vulnerable, it feels really painful, right? And that's, that's when I think people come to you, right? They, they are guided, and they're safe, they're in a safe space.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. And, and I, I think and it helps sometimes, um, you know, we, you know, sometimes um, you don't know what happened. You don't really, um, you know, sometimes just talking it out with someone, you know, just being able to um, allow someone to, to ask you questions, you know, to ask you questions about your life, because as, as a therapist, we're always trying to understand, um, you know, what it was for you, you know, as, as a, if, with a client, we, we, we always, that's one of the first things that we ask is tell me about, you know, your childhood, you know, it's tell me how was it for you to grow up with, with your parents or in, in, with your caregiver, what happened, you know, specific life events that, that shaped you and, and, and yeah, and the shaped you into who you are now, because, because this is, this is how it comes up. It, it always comes up in one way or another. Like I said, usually we can see that in, in our, in our relationships and our, the more intimate the relationship, the more triggering it's going to be, because you're talking about triggering that, those attachment difficulties. If you, if these were present while growing up, well, you know, while you were young, especially when you were really young, it's going to come up, you know, as, as an adult with your, with your significant other. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm-hmm. and and self-worth is pretty intricately tied to all of this how does that self-worth or the lack of it um, how is that tied to the potential for actually being able to heal that mm-hmm. trauma?
1: yeah so it it is pretty I mean I think it for a lot of people it's at the core you know in terms of healing and so when we when, when we look at um, childhood patterns and how it affects um, affects you now um, one thing that comes up is the is your core beliefs you know what is it that you believe about yourself at the core so even though you are saying certain things um, do you believe that you're worthy of this um, do you believe that you um, are capable of you know x y and z do you believe yourself as um as, uh, yeah, is is worthy of healing. So, so when it comes to self esteem or you know self worth or self acceptance, however you want to call it, it is at the core. Okay, it is at the core. And one of the things that, you know, that I I like to practice is is um, is being able to nurture that, to to be able to nurture that that self. Um, that self-esteem. I don't like to call it self-esteem, but more of that sense of of your full self-acceptance, um, your sense of um, yeah, self-acceptance of, of yourself as completely. And that's of course easier said than done. Um, so we, so th- that is usually that one of the very foundational things that we do when we talk about healing trauma. We talk about self-care. You know, that's the word that gets you know gets thrown out a lot. But at the core of self-care is um, is that concept of self-worth and self-acceptance and, and and valuing yourself enough to take care of yourself, um, and that is essential. You know, when it comes to um, healing and trauma. You must be able to take care of yourself if you're going to start this journey of, of healing from childhood abuse. If you can't take care of yourself um, enough to, sometimes it's as basic as making sure you drink enough water, making sure you go to bed, you know, at a decent time, you get enough sleep, making sure you're you're, you're eating nourishing food. Sometimes it's that basic for, for some people. You know, for some people, it starts at that level, of just drinking enough water. So. If you can't do that, um, then it's very hard, you know, to move through that healing journey, because you you must be able to really deeply nourish and take care of yourself. So the way I I, I like to see it is by by making sure that you do take certain actions that demonstrate to yourself, to your your inner child, or to that your inner self, your yourself with capital S that you matter, you know, that you are important. Um, so I'm going to make sure I eat well, because you matter, you know, talking to to that inner child, talking to your yourself, capital S, I'm going to make sure that I nourish you uh, with healthy food, and that you have enough water, you know, so sometimes it's it's that basic. So what I'm saying is, is at the this concept of self care, or you know, being uh, being able to be in full acceptance of yourself,
0: is everything. Is at the core of of healing. And it's probably a process too. Like especially if those basic needs and taking care of the self with a capital S. It can start at drinking more water. It can start at getting enough sleep, and then building on that. I'm sure that that's something that you. Do in your practice is kind of foster that journey with yeah. the person you're working with. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it, it is it is a process, and like I said, some people are are um, come on board, and in, in terms of wanting to get therapy, wanting to start their um, their healing journey, um, healing childhood trauma. Sometimes they start off, um, you know having certain practices down that are helpful um and sometimes you know they they have this concept that i want to heal from you know childhood abuse or you know this childhood trauma um but it's very theoretical it's very just in their mind you know and they don't realize that um, part of healing is healing the body Mm -hmm. if if you're not taking care of your body um your healing journey is is, it's not gonna you're not gonna move forward it starts with the body um, not just because this is where the trauma lives but this is because but it's because your body also holds this this like I said the, the the concept when we talk about inner child this is within you right the 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 sense of self that we are trying to that we that as part of the trauma, trauma journey, or trauma healing journey, we try to get to we try to help you identify this sense of self, um, the sense of self, capital S, um, mm-hmm. with the part of you that is that it feels sad. That's not you, right? That's the, the, the depressed part. So part of being able to differentiate yourself from in all these different parts within you, it starts with taking care of your body. You, um, if you can't identify your your hunger cues, how could you how could you identify the tension that you feel when you when you talk about X, Y, and Z? you know, Mm -hmm. so, so it's very, very much connected. And I don't see how you can how you can do it without taking care of your body. So that's when that physical practice also comes into place. Um, But yeah, like I, like I said, sometimes it's just as basic as as making sure that you eat, making sure that you sleep and you drink water. Mm -hmm. For some people, it's it's that it's at that level. Mm
0: -hmm. And so when you teach uh, trauma-sensitive yoga, and you incorporate this into the healing process. What is that actually? What does that actually do? What is it, does it work? How does it look
1: like? Yeah. Yeah. So not everyone. Um, so I don't do this with with everyone. Of course, there's um there's only certain. You know, usually. They, they bring it up uh, or sometimes I feel that it would be helpful. They're open to it because of, of their belief or maybe they're already doing yoga and I think this will be you know helpful to, to add on. So the way it looks like, um, we focus a lot on, on breath. Um, it's not something, for some people I do um, I do like an, a full hour of therapy and then we finish with 15, 20 um, minutes of a specific Uh, breathing sequence, uh, maybe with certain asanas, but usually it's, if we're going to be doing trauma-focused yoga, we try to incorporate it or weave it into our practice. Um, Sometimes it it could even be as a specific homework assignment to to do, you know, this 10, 15-minute sequence every night before going to sleep. So it could, so for example, if we're doing, if I'm doing it in session, it's, we're, it's usually relevant to a specific topic or a specific issue that they're dealing with. Um, So, you know, let's say we're trying to focus on feeling safe, feeling safe with um, a particular situation or being able to identify that sense of safety with the person. We may, practice a specific asana that each time you breathe you breathe in you 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 meditate or you think about the word um as i feel safe Uh, as you breathe uh, breathe out you can say something i am strong so you kind of add like a mantra Mm -hmm. to each each movement and you coordinate that with your breath but it's if we're doing it in session, we're not doing that the entire session, right? So as as we're talking, it has it's almost like it goes with the specific topic or situation that they're they're presenting with, and it just kind of comes to mind. And, and I usually say, okay, you know what, we're gonna do for this. I want you to every time this this comes up, I'm gonna ask you to just close your eyes. Um, you know, for example, open your arms this wide, and remind yourself I'm safe. Um, Or, you know, remind yourself, I'm strong, close your arms and tell yourself, I am safe. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you breathe out. So it could be something as simple as that. But being able to to orient yourself in that moment to your breath, to a movement, to a word, um, is in and of itself a specific intervention that you can do anytime so not just while we're in session but you can do that on your own so that could be for example the 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 homework so you know I I would say something like um the next in the next few days or from now until the next time I see you I want to encourage you to every time x y and z comes up if you can um if you can take a minute to just um, close your eyes and and do this and you know repeat to yourself I'm strong I'm safe breathe in breathe out and just do that for for three or four times and, and just notice what happens within you. So sometimes it could be something as simple as that, um, mm-hmm. that can have a huge impact because in that moment, you're stopping that you're, you're, it's, it's almost like a grounding activity for, mm-hmm. for you. You're, you're deliberately setting the intention to, to catch yourself with, with, uh, with this particular trigger and to connect with your body, connect with your breath and connect with, with a word that can help you feel, um, a sense of safety and grounding.
0: Mm-hmm. Does that also kind of change the brain over time, like after practicing? Yeah. That?
1: Yes, absolutely. Because you start creating different associations, right? So you start creating different. Um, in your body will respond because again, our mind, our body, it's all connected. So when we practice a different association with a specific trigger, over time, our body can learn to react differently to hearing than a particular name, you know, of of a person that triggers us. Mm -hmm. Um, Just listening to that name can trigger you. So by being able to identify the trigger, and then connect with your breath, connect with your body, you're able to, to change that reaction within your body. Now, it may still, you may still, you know, you hear this particular name, you may still think of this person that you don't want to think about um, but it may not have that reaction in your body so your heart may you know we're, we're looking that's that's the focus right your, the, your heart doesn't start pounding you don't feel like you're about to have maybe a panic attack or maybe your, your stomach suddenly feels upset and you need to excuse yourself so you may just notice it like, like oh okay you know th- that's not what I wanted to hear but I'm okay you know I, I'm It's I'm I'm here I'm present. It doesn't take you back, which is what trauma causes. Right? Trauma, by definition, is inability to stay present. You're not able to stay present because when we have a trigger, our mind immediately gets gets taken to the past to the, the. The time of the trauma Mm -hmm. so it's a way to stay grounded and so it's built it builds mindfulness so over time yeah it it helps it helps with your symptoms it helps with your your trauma your trauma healing so now if you practice that of course we don't just have one trigger right we have different things so so being able to um to to do this with with our breath and our body throughout can be as you can imagine can be really really helpful
0: Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that you also do is at EMDR, mm-hmm. right, um, mm-hmm. which works with the eyes. How does that work and how does that... EMDR, help? yeah, so
1: EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing Therapy. So EMDR is, um, I mean, it's, it's a, so what basically you, it's the eye movement. So when we're sleeping, for example, um, at the end of the day, you're sleeping, part of the the role of sleep is to help us integrate the experiences of our day. So um, when we're sleeping, our eyes are moving side to side, you know, and when we're in in REM sleep, Um, that's our brains. That's how our brain is integrating into the different parts of our brain, our experiences of the day. Okay. So what happens with trauma is that our brain is not able to integrate these experiences because it doesn't, our brain doesn't know how to deal with, a traumatic event it, it, it doesn't know how to process when it's when it's traumatizing enough it doesn't know how to process that so what we do in EMDR is that we and it doesn't and it doesn't happen right immediately you know session one it's it's a it's a process but eventually what we do is we we tap into and we bring up um, to your to your present awareness a specific traumatic experience Um, and by bringing up or tapping I, i mean we we are we're we're going to talk about a specific moment in that trauma. So, um, so it's almost like imagine like like a picture. And so you, so as a therapist, I kind of guide you in this in this bilateral. It's a bilateral eye movement, um, and, and it's not just through. It's not just eye movement. Um, it's the 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 therapy itself is started that way. But now, it, the bilateral stimulation can be done through through tapping on your shoulders or your your knees. So it's a bilateral stimulation that happens. Uh, It doesn't have to be just through eyes. So as we, as a therapist, you know, we um, we tap into a specific traumatic memory, and I guide you in that process of bilateral stimulation to be able to help your your brain integrate this experience. So remember, at the beginning, I said it's a, a trauma is like a loose page. You know, it doesn't have you know it doesn't have a it's just floating you know in the air. I um, EMDR is is one way of helping you integrate this into your experience to into, to so your brain can make sense of this so it doesn't mean you forget it doesn't mean it goes away it just means that your brain is able to make sense of this it can it can re or integrate this into the narrative or the cohesive narrative of your life um, and so that's that's how EMDR works and and there's other modalities that um do the same thing in a, in a different way. Um, I, I use EMDR. I, I do also sensory motor and, and, therapy and just, um, different ways to help. But the goal is the same is to help integrate these traumatic experiences in, 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 your brain. So you're not experiencing, you know, um, PTSD and, and all these symptoms that come with, with trauma.
0: And have you seen that when those, traumas are addressed, especially physically, right? Because it lives in the body. Have have you seen that it really changes that, that it can kind of stop at that generation? Is that something that is possible where it's not something that ends up being passed on again? Is it able to be healed?
1: Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, because I mean, humans, you know, we're, I mean, it's not just it's, you know, I, I'd say I, I work on, let's say a, a, a specific trauma in my life that was devastating, you know, as a child. I click on that. There may be other things that are coming up for me. Um, it could be, for example, the um, like a racial, you know, the racial trauma. Mm-hmm. Um, so that may, you know, so we we work on different things. It doesn't mean that there is. Um, there there's a lot usually there's other you know there's more work to 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 do right yeah. um you know for myself personally um I I feel like you know being in 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 this in the healing um, in in my own healing journey I, I'm probably going to be on this journey for for the rest of my life I don't I don't think that this is going to and that's okay you know I, I don't think I'm going to be back to how I was when I was um, twenty years old I, I've moved you know in this on, on this path in this journey. Um, but I'm sure there's still things that I may not even be aware of that I I may still be passing on, you know, to to my daughter. Um, but but that the least that I can do is to work on the things that I am aware, right? The things that are, that um, that are getting in the way now. So that's when that's where the role of awareness is is huge. If you're not aware of what is affecting you as an individual, what is what is triggering you, what is guiding your behavior then there is no way to work on it, right? There is absolutely no way. And, and, and that's how, that's exactly how trauma gets passed on is yeah. our inability, either for lack of awareness or inability to do so, we're not able to work through it, right? So so again, uh, awareness is huge. A lot of times that comes with age, you know? So sometimes um, I know a lot of young moms say, if I had my, you know, my kid do things so differently, because that's how, you know, life experience, you know, it shapes us, it, it, it helps us see things that we wouldn't see before. So, but as, as if you, all you can do is do your best with the knowledge that you have now at this point in your life, and if you are aware that there are things within yourself that, that, um, that, that need healing, that need attention, that perhaps came before you, maybe parents, grandparents, then I think you owe it to yourself to follow that. It's almost like that golden thread
0: to see where it takes you, to see where where it leads. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And the awareness piece is so powerful too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'd like to end our interview. We have three questions that I ask all my guests. Mm-hmm. Um, so the first one is what nourishes your soul? Okay. Well, these these
1: days I would say um, it's very simple usually it's just having you know just like a lazy Saturday Sunday with with my baby and my husband and I have two dogs and a cat so just being able to do nothing be at home you know just kind of being together alone um, and when I can have like a good weekend, I, I've noticed that when I can have a good weekend, uh, um, just not running errands, not going to the grocery store, you know, not doing a lot. I, I feel I, 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 that nourishes me. I feel mm-hmm. grounded. I feel like I can start my, my Monday um, full and, and ready, ready to go. Um, when I've had weekends where I have to, we have to do something or something comes up I, I feel it during the week, I, I feel that I get behind on things I, you know, I'm definitely not as present. So I, I would say that's what I, I need at least a good solid day with with my especially with, with my baby, my, yeah. my, my husband, my, my pets. <laughs> yeah. Yes, I love
0: it. It's good. That's the self care. we're talking. Yeah, exactly. About <laughs> um, what is your wish for the world in this coming year? Oh oh my goodness
1: um oh. hmm. i you know I think we're talking about we were talking about awareness i I think i would i would wish for that for more collective awareness. Uh, of what what is it that I contribute to what's going on, not just in my home, but in my community, you know, um, and collective compassion, you know, being able to, to have compassion for those that are less privileged. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we don't realize how the decisions that we make impact you know have that ripple effect um so with increased awareness and compassion i I feel that that can can be that can bring really good things and you know if if we all did that that would be amazing right but at least um if if a small number of us can can build and increase that that collective awareness and compassion for everyone i think i think that'll be
0: that'll be amazing for next year amazing yeah Uh, last question what is the most powerful thing that people can do to contribute to a more beautiful world
1: i think i mean the the awareness of self again and heal i think if being able to gift yourself that um i guess healing that self-healing that self-love being able to give yourself compassion um I think again with the ripple effect that that can have, you know, you, you, by by working on yourself, by working on on your self compassion and compassion of others and self love, and you you're able to affect, you know, not again not those in your home, but those that you interact with outside of your home, and that you you do sometimes you don't realize the ripple effect of that because people are always watching, someone is looking at you, and and you do have more influence i think we individually we have more influence that we that we that we believe and so if we can practice that and model that for others i think that can that can be it can be huge as well amazing
0: yeah thank you so much host this was so lovely thank you thank you for having me